Hi, everyone. Welcome to our show. I'm Jordan. And I'm Eve. And this is You're Bothering Me. It was fun to read the um, attachment book again, Wired for Love. I haven't read it in a little while. Yeah, no, I really liked it. I think at first I was a little apprehensive about trying to give it a shot because there were things in there that about, you know, just putting your relationship above all else and stuff like that, that I don't think I necessarily believe, but I was really happy to continue reading it because it really forced me to think differently about relationships, even friendships, you know, and instead of having this aggressive independence and thinking that your partner needs to be a certain way so that the relationship can work, I did kind of end up liking. But it talks a lot about trauma and how it really does take both people in the relationship to kind of not force the other person all the time to work out their trauma, but sometimes be sensitive that things that trigger them may not be something you always understand. Yeah, definitely. I feel like one thing that I really got from it is the idea of, you know, you really have to balance radical personal responsibility along with detachment of what you like want your partner to be. So both parties have to like have that attitude. Otherwise, it's just as like excusing toxic behavior. I guess maybe we should talk about what some of the principles from the book. Um, So to start with, there are the three main attachment styles, which are anchor, island, and wave. That's how they describe them in the uh, Wired for Love. Anchor is securely attached. Island is uh, avoidant. And uh, the wave is insecurely attached. So then, like, some of the, one of the main principles in the book is the idea of the couple bubble, which is where your relationship comes before everything else, and, like, you know, your attachment to your partner is more important than any other relationship in the world. And I guess maybe when I was reading the book, I also was reading it through the lens of not being in a relationship mentally. I kind of did kind of remove that, like, aspect of it, which made the whole book a little bit more, like, tolerable to me right and I think I didn't do that (laughs) you know that's something I need to work on is you know when I read stuff or just listen to anything or anybody's story I tend to like relate it to my life completely and I do Mm -hmm. think it's good to detach a little bit because sometimes our own experience can make us reject things you know off the bat yeah but I did, I did like it. And I do think a lot of people have this idea of not to say you shouldn't have hobbies and your own life, but a lot of times your relationship doesn't come first. And yeah. you really, people think it's supposed to come easy. Like, oh, well, mm-hmm. if relationship's hard, it's not meant to be. And I don't think that that's true. I think that relationships all take work no matter what, you know, yeah. it's going to be a lot of work. It's not this thing that runs smoothly forever and ever I feel like too I don't know I had a pretty significant relationship where we uh both were I was certainly like fiercely independent and um I would say we both were 
islands at the time. And like, you know, it eventually it led to the roommate relationship situation because we both focus so much on our own independence and you know not to say that that's necessarily a bad thing but like I was doing that completely unexamined and in my mind at that time I I think I would have thought it was like a bad thing to put my relationship above all else I also you know we never we never argued about anything literally anything ever and so you know there was like a large amount of just you know like not wanting to like face anything there and I I think in that you know like I had a hard time separating like arguing from just like being only a negative thing which it's absolutely not and like I in that wasn't really willing or able to like put in the work to have those hard conversations so it was you know it was like you know, like radical freedom, but without, you know, the examination or the like coming together aspect. Right. And I, yeah, I think the book really works for any type of relationship, whether it's like that or a couple who fights a lot, you know, yeah, about the communication, you know, what is figuring out who your partner is, what their triggers are, what are your triggers, you know, it really encourages, which I like, it kind of says, have your partner do these exercises with you, you know, because mm-hmm. I do think that's the idea of the couple bubble, like both people have to be in it, you know, yeah, engaged in it. Yeah. If they're if you're quick to be like, Oh, well, you're not doing this. It's broken. Like there has yeah. to be an equal amount of effort and trust in that. And Yeah, I just, I really liked how it just gave examples and exercises of how to communicate calmly and just be aware. I mean, with anything in our life, being aware of our physical and emotional reaction to things is how we control it better. So I liked that because I do think it's hard in a relationship to understand where the other person is coming from, why they're triggered. But then in our heads, we're like, well, why don't they understand where we're coming from? They should just know. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of getting out of that and being like, okay, even if you don't understand where the argument comes from or what's triggering you or your partner, just trying to calm it. I think they call them, is it primitives? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Calm them before they get aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> Trying totally. to be present. And that goes too with what they say in the book about having like the best manual for your partner. And so, you know, once you know those things, it's pretty easy to navigate, you know, even nasty moods or like impatient responses and things like that. When you like know how to, you know, it's not about you and you like feel secure and everything else. It's easy to navigate those things without harsh words and response. But when everything else is turmoil and it's like, you know, you haven't figured out what the triggers are and stuff like that. So everything seems surprising and chaotic and it feels impossible to find a pattern to anything. Of course, things are a lot more, you know, they're just impossible to deal with when you can't figure it out. So, it, you know, it means like really studying your partner and just like knowing that, you know, knowing their moods and knowing what makes them tick. No, I mean, it's definitely something that takes practice but I like how the book breaks it down as simply as possible yeah which one do you relate to the most me I don't know I feel like now I relate more 
to being securely attached. I don't know if I'm like fully (laughs) securely attached, but a lot more than I used to be. But I feel like I used to definitely be uh, an island. Um, The island is the one that is is very independent. I don't know. I mean, I found traits in all three, to be honest. Yeah. I would say I definitely was a wave most of my life. I've, I'd say now I feel like I'm more like an, a mix between an island and securely attached. I used to be just my partner's emotions would affect me enormously. And I felt triggered very easily. But I also am somebody who really needs that communication. You know, mm-hmm. so if I don't have that, that probably is a big trigger for me if there's no information about what's happening. But I think I've become definitely more able to let things go and be open and calm and more independent. Yeah, I feel like I used to be, I would just like shut down completely in arguments. I would like literally fall asleep if things like were too stressful. I can't even stay awake still. If like things are too stressful or like people are yelling or like, you know, I'm in like an impassioned argument after it's done, I will have, I like literally will have to take a nap because I can't like, it's just like too much for my body. No, I get that. I'm kind of like that too. I just would say that I, I need like a solution. Like I mm-hmm. get too wrapped up in like, okay, this needs to be yeah. fixed or, mm-hmm. you know. I, I have to, yeah. I really need like time to settle down to like, right. I have to take pauses and like, I get very easily overwhelmed in arguments and I'm like, I need to like go be alone. I don't want you to touch me. I don't want to like be physically comforted in any way because it feels like invasive sometimes yeah like I'm like that where I don't want to be touched or I I need space from the physical you know comforting but I also I wouldn't say I take breaks I'm probably more the type that's like no we need to (laughs) ash it out you know yeah you're the one chasing me (laughs) so it is interesting and I didn't see a ton of this in the book but I I do think a lot like how do How does one person who needs that break or doesn't, you know, can't communicate a bunch without becoming exhausted and somebody who needs that communication figure that out? I'm very curious and and we'll do more research on that because I would like to see what experts think about how Mm -hmm. with somebody who doesn't communicate and somebody who does. Yeah, well, I would say that that would kind of both parties would need to like work on their distress tolerance of like uh you know the one side would have to work on their tolerance of sticking with it and like you know not needing to run away and like the other party would need to work on their tolerance of like you know being able to like say we need to take a five minute time out or like you know whatever and probably like also working out styles because like for me um if things are like loud and we're yelling and like it's not to say I don't think that yelling fights are necessarily a bad thing like that can sometimes that happens and sometimes it has to happen sometimes you need that like huge like emotional release just keeping in mind that that takes like so much more energy And, you know, like if things are calm and you're like having, you know, just like the stereotypical, like, you know, relationship talks, 
then like that may maybe they can handle that for longer. So just you know, learning how to balance energy conservation or it's very common that people who fight in relationships or friendships, they get caught up in the details and proving to be I'm right, you're wrong. And putting mm-hmm. that aside is probably one of the hardest things for people to do. But it's important in my eyes because putting it aside and just being like, what are you feeling? Really gets to the point and you can start figuring out a solution. Whereas yeah. if you're caught up in the details, then your whole fight is going to be about who's right or wrong. And then by the end, you're exhausted. Um, oh, yeah. That reminds me of something else from the um, book, which I re- which like really caught my ears. The idea of islands being addicted to alone time and I was like oh wow I feel that very strongly definitely I used to not be like that though where I feel like I craved other people's presence yeah to the point where like I would plan as soon as I was done hanging out with one friend I needed Mm -hmm. another plan like it was really bad I hated being alone but now that I feel like I've done some work on myself where I'm comfortable being alone it's almost the opposite I don't want to be bothered I just you know I want that peace and quiet and I struggle a lot with like hypersensitivity if I'm relaxing I'm more sensitive to like noise like if something mm-hmm. I get more frustrated than normal where I just want it to be quiet I can't have a bunch of chaos around me yeah I feel like that you know certainly is something that kind of comes with age a little bit I've noticed that my tolerance for chaos or you know just like chaotic sounds and things like that is waning as I get older but definitely some people are more predisposed to that yeah it's definitely something like you said I feel like some people just grow out of um, or once they're comfortable being with themselves when they find peace in that they don't want it disrupted anymore yeah and I found too that my like tolerance for being interrupted goes up a lot if I don't hate my job I don't hate a lot of things in my life I don't feel like I need to really fiercely guard my my alone time it's all about balance yeah (laughs) I feel like the thing that it's not my overarching takeaway from the book but it did really make me think a lot about careful selection of the people that you like put in this work with because it kind of did make like I feel like one thing about the book is you can't change other people and you need to not want to change anything about them and then if they hold themselves accountable and grow then then great part of the idea is that you get what you get but that really made me think about how you need to like really carefully select you know in that case Right. No, I'm Um, really happy you said that because that's that's one of the things I was thinking about also is they do talk a lot about not changing a person, but they also talk about most people go on dates and you don't get that full person, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, together or it takes like a year sometimes. I can't accept the, oh, well, you wait and then like you get what you get. I would rather work on asking more questions at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the relationship, really getting to know that person and saying, hey, I need you to be open with me Mm -hmm. so that you can see, hey, is this something that we can work out? Is this something that I can learn to accept their triggers? Because they're, you know, as much as it says any relationship can work from doing these things, I do believe that some people just don't mesh some people mm-hmm. oh of course uh, no absolutely it's I think a lot of people just don't mesh and that really you know that also kind of comes down mm-hmm. to like 
do both parties have a growth mindset and, you know, a sense of like personal responsibility for how they interact with the world. Um, and that'll, that will tell you a lot if you, when you first know someone, if you are asking those more probing questions and are like more interested in really seeking the truth about them, like the capital T truth, right. um, not everyone is going to be willing or interested in doing that. So that'll tell you a lot right there. Yeah. I, I mean, accepting somebody is important, but also for me, it's important to have somebody that's willing as well as myself is willing to continually grow and look at themselves and say, Hey, not change who they are, but how can we as people and as partners change for the better? How can we yeah. work on ourselves? Because mm -hmm. instead of both of us just accepting the things that maybe we dislike about each other it's possible mm -hmm. that we can both grow from that and become better people and also yeah. take away that those irritating things about each other I don't believe that those things are usually the core of who you are They're yeah trauma and things that you've learned through your experience so I think for me that's important to mm -hmm. have somebody willing to continue to look at themselves and their relationships. And yeah, me too. I I just get, part of it is because I get bored. I you know I get bored with myself and like I you know I get bored with sameness. So like for me to like have a continuing relationship with someone over you know over like years and decades like I need to be with someone who is willing to like challenge themselves and is willing to like you know really evaluate things and um like change their mind and like is curious and wants to you know wants to grow and wants to expand right and if some one person stays the same and the other is growing a lot of the time that's how divorces happen like mm -hmm. there's not a continuous communication about how everybody's going to change as, yeah. as they get older. And what happens is people have this mindset when they marry somebody or get in a relationship that even if you do fall in love with that person exactly the way they are and you never argue, things change on the outside too. And yeah. if you have that mindset and then they change or things change and you're like, oh my gosh, like you've changed, I can't handle it. That's going to happen with any relationship. Eventually. Mm -hmm. So yeah, to work with it and flow with it and be like, okay, how do we handle this as people grow? What are my boundaries? That's usually what I've seen, how relationships end up being successful. But um, what's something that's been bothering you this week since we... Well, my looks slash like aging on my face have really really surprised me this week and I don't know I just like have been noticing that even though I know I don't look my age which makes it like so ridiculous and then I'm like oh my god I'm so like vain and vapid you know like is nothing good enough for me I like what do I need them to be like wow you look like you're literally a baby <laughs> But that's what we're taught from a young age, especially as women, is like looks are, you know, even if we say, oh, you know, it's about the inside. It is ingrained in our brains that looking a certain way is one of our, you know, main mm -hmm. aspects. It's unfortunate, yeah. but it is kind of in, ingrained. You know, age is something that's 
our as our faces and our bodies change as we get older, it's hard to cope with that. We feel yeah. like yeah, I'm like I didn't enjoy the way I looked as much as I should when I look. Oh God, yeah, that's been something too that I've been really thinking about a lot. And maybe it's partly because I haven't been able to do anything, so I've been like looking at pictures from when we could do things, you know, just seeing these pictures and being like, oh my God, I remember this picture so strongly because when I first saw it, I didn't like it because I didn't like the way I looked. Doing something that wasn't even about that, like on vacation with my family. Yeah, um, I hear that a lot with women that, or or men, that they don't like the way they look and then they look back on that picture and say, oh, well, I wish I would have appreciated it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, it's just about and then accepting yourself as you as you change, you know. Yeah, just on the inside. Yeah, I don't know. I've just been thinking, like, do I want to get fillers or Botox sometime? What do I do? <laughs> what do I? How do I want to handle this? What do I? Where am I willing to go to preserve my youth? And like, what is it about youth that I'm like so attached to that I can't stand even for my face to look a little older? I think it's a fine line for everybody. I think if it's just realizing, hey, is this for me or is this for other people? I don't think there's anything wrong with getting Botox or changing your body or doing what you have to do to be happy. It's just making sure, hey, how far is this going to go? Am I going to have a limit? Mm-hmm. Not putting your your mind or your body at stress from doing it too much, trying to preserve an age. But also, yeah. who care? you know, you only live once. That I would say sense. Botox is for me. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And I've thought about it. And I feel like society is kind of like oh my gosh, like you would get Botox or you'd get surgery. <laughs> but now it's more normalized. Like yeah, I think so. For people to do that. And I'm like, you know, it it disappears in a year. If you don't like it or you're worried about it, you can always go in and have it disappear. They just put yeah. something in that makes it dissolve. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think people should want to be happy and it's your body. You're mm-hmm. going to you get one life. So yeah, totally matter when you die. (laughs) (laughs) But like, who cares what it looks like? Yeah, totally. I'm trying to work on too, like practicing detachment because I'm like, okay, I know I don't like quote need slash want Botox yet. And I sort of feel like for myself, I'm like, oh, maybe I should really try and reach a place of detachment before I explore these avenues that are available and like get to a place of, oh, I do feel comfortable with myself, but this is just like a fun thing and like whatever life is about experimenting. Right. Yeah. Just having a balance, you know, making Mm -hmm. sure this is what I want to do. It's not for anybody else, just for myself. That's what makes me happy. You should be comfortable in your own skin. It's about loving yourself, but also if you love yourself, but also I'm like, hey, that, that'd make me feel better if I change that. Who cares, you know? I need to step back and be objective and, like, acknowledge that I've really never had, you know, I, like, had a few breakouts when I was a teenager. And I have some wrinkles that I don't care for now. I've had some breakouts, like, recently, which is my own fault from, like, <laughs> using too many chemical peels, like, in my house. Um And so just, you know, just like remembering, being grateful for like the skin you have and um, being, you know, thankful like to your skin and body for its most basic purposes, which, you know, your skin is is just your biggest organ. So 
you know, like being grateful to it for its detoxing work that it does and for, you know, sweating to keep you cool and for like whatever, all the things that it does to keep you healthy and to keep your like body moving. Um, as opposed to this other like aspect of it, which is important. Right. And we're all our own worst critics, you know, like, mm-hmm. we're like, oh, well, it's not that bad to us. It just feels like that's the worst thing, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I never had to deal with acne when I was a teenager, luckily. But unfortunately, as soon as I got in my 20s, I started having acne and everybody's like, oh, you don't have acne. I'm like, nope, it's just the makeup. I promise <laughs> But it's not like acne, like painful, you know, huge pimples or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just more like this irritating, like small acne. That's all. Oh, sure. And a lot of women go through that. It's hormonal acne. And mm-hmm, so they're totally. trying different products, trying to get rid of it. But really, it was so interesting to find out that hormonal acne and you know, other types of acne, a lot of it comes from the inside, you know, it's mm-hmm. not just products, it's changing your diet and yeah, you're on birth control or certain medication. Like those are hard things to change sometimes. So they are. And obviously, you know, <laughs> what happened to me when I went to a dermatologist? Oh my God. So bad. I went to a dermatologist for the first time because I had tried so many products. I was trying to wash my face and put on moisturizer and I even went through a company called forget it. I don't I don't remember the name, but I went through <laughs> a company and they're popular. They're known for mm-hmm. helping and they give you like like a doctor online or whatever and prescribe you like a Purology. Purology, yeah. Oh yeah. So it didn't really work for me. But I tried it and I tried other products. So I finally was like, okay, I need to go to a dermatologist in person. And they prescribed me some pills that I could take and then medication to put on my skin. And the first time I used it within an hour, I was like in the most pain I had ever been in. I was like, what is happening? It was just, it was miserable. Like, yeah, I felt like somebody was literally stabbing me in the stomach and I was like, this is so odd. And then I looked at the bottle And it said that it can cause, like, colon damage and all this stuff and, like, seep into your skin. And I was in the hospital and blah, blah, blah. So I just think it's important that people try to be easier on themselves about their skin. Because it's we see all these, you know, models and celebrities that have perfect skin. And we're like, how do we get that? We need to buy more products, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it's as simple as just exercising, changing your diet, some inner work and Mm -hmm. not being so stressed out. Sometimes that's the root of acne, you know? Yeah. Or sleep, lack of sleep. Or your skin's just like that. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. we just got to love ourselves a little more and be easy and hope for the best. You know, our bodies are always changing. There's always going to be things that trigger acne and then you have great skin and you're like, oh, that's yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's this Instagrammer that I really enjoy who she's like a health, like a female health coach and she struggled with acne for a long time and she really healed hers through her diet. But now she's sort of, I don't know, she's like on a campaign to normalize acne and she posts a lot of pictures of her acne and she calls them her cute little red freckles. And I, I think that's really cute and fun. I really like it. And thank God, you know, whether you want to be natural or you want to w- wear makeup, makeup's like, you know, 
It oh, totally. Makeup school is shit. Makeup is super fun. And the form of art makes you feel better. There's totally nothing wrong with painting up your face because you because it looks good to you. <clears throat> because you yeah. like how it looks when you see yourself in the mirror. Right. No, I agree. I think makeup's become more, I don't want to say normalized, but I feel like people are like, stop telling, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, they don't, they look better natural or whatever. It's not, it's yeah. not for you. It's not, you know, we're not doing it because we're insecure. We're doing it because it's a form of art. It's fun. It makes us feel better, you know, just like anything else, like exercise mm-hmm. you go because it makes you feel better. Not yeah, totally. just to look a certain way for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I am interested in the skin peel you were talking about, though. Oh, um, well, there's a couple that I have been liking. I did do a chemical peel, which I don't think I'm going to do again, because you're only supposed to leave them on your face for, like, literally a minute. And oh. <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty sure I did leave it on my face for a minute only. And my face was so, so, so red when I was done. And, I like... That's normal, though. I don't know if it's for me. It was like so burning and like whatever. I don't know. But then I was also using some like acids, which cause RX, which is oh. this like Korean brand. Do you know what it, that is? No, I've never heard of it. Well, their stuff is really great, but it's it's very cheap. It's um most of their stuff is like green on the like EWG whatever non toxic products thing, which I like and I always look for. And it's pretty widely available on Amazon and other websites, but it really bothers my eyes. So all of their products do. If I get them in my eyes at all, they give me a sty. Um, So I kind of haven't been using them anymore, but the price point is great. And if you don't mind keeping them out of your eyes, they're really nice. I've been using the BHA acid. Oh, I heard about that. I heard that's Mm -hmm. really good for acne. Yeah, it is. So mm -hmm, I really have been liking it. It's literally, I think it's like $15 and you can get it on Amazon. But you do need to be really careful buying cosmetics on Amazon because Mm -hmm. since they are a reseller, most or like quote most of the products that you buy are probably legit, but you know, not all of them. You so Target too. I think there's or Alta. Oh, cool. They have not maybe the same brand, but there's some BHA and BHB. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah they have a lot. There's like tons of them. I just do like the CauseRx brand. Right. Um, and then the other products that I've been using lately, which have been helping like so much are the Luminance skincare products, which, I don't know, I found them through Instagram, but they smell seriously so good, and their stuff is, like, really, really great. What I heard the, the Ordinary brand. Is oh, good. yeah, that stuff is really to good, that. too. They're really simple and inexpensive. They're really good. There's, like, a few other natural brands that I've been kind of interested in and wanting to try that I'll, like, send to you also. I've but. just wanted to try new products. I tried this new toner that's like vitamin C. Oh, it. yeah. And surprisingly, I've never tried a product with that in it, but it's been helping a lot. Vitamin and, C is so good for your face. And I feel like it's helping. And also, it's funny how like you would think in the summer I would get more acne, but in the winter mm-hmm. is when I get more acne. And the mm. sun, like the sun, like really. Yeah, like, I was just going to oh. say it'll make my skin clear up and like look 10 times better than it does interesting that kind of makes me wonder if your acne is well you said hormonal which does like make sense that the sun would help it and maybe like 
vitamin maybe D. like partly stress and yeah like stress and like sun related too because vitamin d well like since we live in at northern latitudes it's like almost impossible to get enough vitamin d from the sun in the winter so my naturopath has me take 10,000 milligrams or like, I don't know, they're not milligrams. I don't know what, but they have me take like a pretty huge amount in the winter. And I would say that made like such a huge difference in my like mood and energy. And um, my psoriasis gets a lot worse in the winter because of lack of vitamin D. And it actually really helps that too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they prescribed it to me a while ago, but I just didn't take it. uh, Having a routine, like we've talked about, like having a skincare routine when I mm-hmm. see people with like six products in the morning, six at night. I'm like, how? I would love you know? to be that person. I would. And I want to so bad, but <laughs> I try. I'm kind of doing pretty good about washing That's my awesome. face in the morning and at night, but it's mostly just because I'm literally terrified of aging. Um, <laughs> oh, that reminds me of one other thing that I wanted to say about that. One thing that I've been thinking a lot about too is, you know, when you think about self-esteem and having self-esteem, you know, it's different to think about it in terms of appearance, but like generally your self-esteem comes from doing esteemable acts. And so like, I've thought a lot about my fear of aging. I feel like some of it comes from like, I feel like I haven't done enough in my life. I just feel like I have such high expectations for what I wanted to do. And I feel like I haven't done that. And so I'm like, I can't bear for my face to betray me to the world, you know, because I'm like, no, I can't, I can't go, I can't keep aging. I can't keep getting older because I haven't done the stuff that I was supposed to do when I was 25 or, you know, 30 or whatever. And like, you know, I, I can't let my face betray I think a lot of people can relate to that, you know, just getting mm-hmm. older, like you didn't accomplish the things you wanted to accomplish yet and you become yeah. stressed and then you put it off more, like it just becomes kind of a cycle, you know, mm-hmm. or yeah. yourself and, you know, just kind of giving up. That's mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely hard for people. And then, yeah, you know, like your outer shell is something that you cling to and then feeling like that's disappearing also mm-hmm. just, you know, it's, it's a lot, you know? Yeah. I think having little goals and being easier on yourself and saying, Hey, this is at least one thing I really want to accomplish in this year. I love when I, it sounds very corny, but I love when I see people making vision boards for Ooh. their year and like really putting it out there in the universe and saying, okay, like I may not be able to get everything done or feel like I've wasted time, but this is like some of the things I want to get done this year and just really putting those good vibes out and, and yeah, little things to focus on, like maybe getting a new car or something. I feel mm-hmm. like that excellent, <laughs> excellent point. Let's do vision boards like mm-hmm. right now for the rest of the year. I would love that. I do believe in putting good things out. And good things will come to you. I absolutely do too. And that's something I've been working on a lot more. I've really been working on like just trying to like manifest more or, you know, trying to raise my vibes, trying to have a higher vibration to attract higher vibes. Right. You know, I've been reading um, the seven spiritual laws of success um, lately, which is so good and is like... I feel like has really 
changed the way I think about things, but that has like a lot about putting your intention out there and putting your desires out there and just letting the universe do the legwork for you. Yeah, let's definitely practice manifesting some good stuff. Well, what's been bothering you? (laughs) (laughs) Everything. (laughs) That's my life. I kind of wanted to talk about, it's more, you know, simple, but it kind of connects to every everything, but how when I'm driving, other people driving like psychos affects <laughs> <laughs> me so so much. Like it yeah. really takes an emotional toll. But I feel mm. like that connects to so many things, you know, in your life. Anything that's bothering you, how mm-hmm. can you control your own emotions? And yeah, you can't control other drivers, but you can control your emotional response to it. Right. And it just takes an emotional toll on me, you know, when absolutely thinking about what they just did. But it Mm -hmm. is it is hard. I see a lot. I feel like maybe I'm making a mean stereotype, but I do feel like people who drive pickup trucks are (laughs) mean. Yeah, they're always doing something dangerous. I know, being so aggressive. Yeah, I really, really hate when people, you know, like you're like just proving a point or something, like peeling out from stoplights or like when you've been waiting for someone and you're like so mad about it and then you take off like so fast. Yeah, no, I just get frustrated. I feel like I'm lucky because in Minnesota, people do drive a lot nicer. But when I visit other places... Oh, yeah. You were just in Chicago, too. Oh, yeah. That was bad. (laughs) Even driving in Chicago can reduce me to tears in, like, a minute flat, I swear. Nobody follows the speed limit. Oh, my. No, they drive, like, 100 miles an hour. It's It's literally, like, so psycho. I don't even know if I could, like, handle that coming from Portland, where it's, like, people are so chill, like... People let you in. People are, like, very good at merging. Yeah. Um, yeah. And But people have been moving to Minnesota a lot in the last yeah. year or two. So there definitely are more crazy drivers. Not as, you know, not as bad. Mm-hmm. But it's frustrating. I wouldn't say I'm a road rage person where I, like, flip out. But it definitely, like, pisses me off. I feel like each person that does something, it takes, like, a five to ten minute emotional it- toll yeah, and you don't need you just like don't need to be like using your energy that way. Right. Connecticut was really bad. Oh I, wow. Uh, had this guy who was he was like riding my ass and I was like, What is like what is he doing? And I did. I flicked him off. But I didn't do anything <laughs> crazy or dangerous. I just flicked him off and I was like, You're being rude. And he, like, freaked out. He oh literally followed me home. <gasps> he almost crashed into me. I turned because I was almost home. And he started going, like, 60 down, like, a 30 straight at my car. Like, no joke. Oh, my I God. pull up on the sidewalk. And he missed me by, like, an inch. And then he called me the C word and said he was <gasps> going to beat me up. And I literally, like, didn't react after that point. Because I was scared. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. So he just kept following me and I just chose not to react. And then eventually he left. But it was oh my a God. intense experience. And people do that, especially on the East Coast or in big cities. That's yeah. how they drive. 
but you're right, you know, just being able to let that go and be like, okay, is that person really going to change from me doing something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. On me and not worth it. Detachment is probably the way to work through it. Yeah. No, you've talked about that, you know, how you mm-hmm. want to detach. I mean, it's yeah. not something that controls my whole life, but it does relate to everything <clears throat> else that bothers me in life. Um, yeah, you don't need to have like an emotional roller coaster every time you need to go somewhere. Right. Control yourself. And it's a good, simple example of detaching and focusing mm-hmm. on what you can control and knowing that by you getting upset, that is not going to change their actions. You know what it makes me think of is like whatever spiritual like leaders will be like, oh, every person who like bothers you is a gift because it gives you the opportunity to like work through something, you know what I mean? But then it also makes me think of everything that bothers me about other people is like normally something that I also don't like about myself. So like, you know, maybe you are very concerned with other people being safe because you feel like you haven't always been safe enough. Oh, definitely. I can totally <laughs> agree with that. <laughs> it's, it's hard for people to look at themselves. You know, I know. Yeah. I'm- always been the safest driver like I get mad at people for doing stupid stuff like cutting off other people or running red lights and stuff but Mm -hmm. also I've tried to multitask and do too many things at once and text somebody while I'm yeah totally so you know maybe it starts with like forgiving yourself for the things that you feel like you haven't always done very safely because I I also have some my driving anxiety isn't too bad anymore But forgiving myself for discretions in the past definitely did a lot for me in, like, not being mad at other people. Yeah, definitely. It's something uh, I work on all the time, you know. Just, Mm -hmm. I think, be a lot more bothered than I am now. But, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what else it makes me think of is even, like, the first thing that you, like, think of is, like, oh, I haven't always been that safe in a car. I've been distracted before. I've... I've done these things, but then like going beyond that and being like in other situations and other scenarios, when if I put myself in danger or put other people in danger and like really forgive yourself for like all of those times, because driving like relatively like straightforward. So it's pretty easy to like want to really hyper control that when you can't control other things in life that could be potentially dangerous. Yeah. Um, So hyper-focusing on this one thing that you maybe don't even do, like you probably don't spend that much time like commuting or things like that. So hyper-focusing on something that is pretty easy to like really cling to. Yeah. And we both follow the holistic psychologist on Instagram. And Mm -hmm. I like everything she has to say, but she, you know, always talks about whether it's something simple or... It's about a relationship, thinking about that other person as somebody who is a human, who makes mistakes, isn't perfect, and maybe learned how they do things from somebody else. Just thinking of it like that helps me let things go. When somebody Mm -hmm. hears something's bothering me, I'm like, okay, I've made mistakes. I've probably bothered people. How can I look at this as somebody who's just doing what they know? Mm -hmm. Now let it go because... Everybody really is a product of their own experiences. Yeah, definitely. 
So even though it's driving, it does really connect to everything. Yeah, no, totally. And it is helpful to humanize. I think it's easy when we're driving for it to be like this like nameless, faceless person. So it's like, oh, that truck is doing it. But in reality, behind every truck is someone who is doing their best. Because I think that we both feel like everybody in the world is honestly doing the best they can. Yep. And it's not our place to judge whether they are or not. Yeah. Yeah. So I've just been thinking a lot about that and how it connects to everything else that bothers me and just being able to do the best I can and also allow others to do the best they can without yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. my life. <laughs> yeah. Giving everyone space and grace. That's what my therapist mm-hmm. always talks about. Right. And it also, and everything that bothers you goes deeper, you know? Oh yeah. I, mm-hmm. I get pissed because I'm like, all these people with these brand new cars, <laughs> you know, <laughs> riding my ass because, or I'm not doing this or this, or I always am like, they're privileged and they have money to do that. And I'm, I can't control that. My car goes a little slower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to realize those things and be like, okay, like if I was in a new car, I'd probably drive a little differently. <laughs> so, <laughs> can't judge. Yeah. And it's obviously we've also been in quarantine for quite a long time. Oh so yeah. Everybody's a little hypersensitive to things. Yeah. You know? Yes. And Seriously. when people got back on the road, I really do think that had a big part in it, that people had been trapped inside their house so long. <laughs> yeah. Nobody had driven more than a mile in months. Right. So people were driving a little crazier. And the people that were out when we really were on lockdown that just weren't following mm-hmm. the order, they were just like all over the place. So, yeah. Free for all. Yeah. So it's just. Kind of the butterfly effect. Everything is and happens for a reason. So. Yeah, totally. Well, we'll have to keep coming back to that and see how practicing detachment is going. Yeah. Well, let's check in about quarantine, too. How are you doing with things? How are you faring mentally? For me, I feel like it's gotten a lot better. Um, obviously, the money from COVID that people were getting in unemployment is going to run out in two weeks. They're talking about extending it. I don't think that's going to happen. So I am currently getting ready to go back to work. I think a lot of people are going to have a hard time with that. Some people have (laughs) gone back to work, but the majority that I know um, that can work from home are still working from home. And so it's going to be hard for people. They're going to be scared and the people that aren't working that don't have a job I don't know I think people are a little worried about the reaction when the money runs out and people are jobless and getting evicted and have no idea what they're doing I think everybody that I know is pretty anti-gun or Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up with guns in the house yeah but it has been surprising to see a lot of the people I know that would never consider buying a gun, really looking into that because they're worried. They're worried things are gonna transpire. Yeah. Gonna happen. I'm ready for whatever. I'm not too concerned, but you never know what can happen. It's been kind of a crazy year. I've just been doing the best I can for my mental health. For me, if I'm not working, everything else I have to do kind of gets kicked to the curb. Like for some reason, I have to have a job 
you know, or something that I'm doing for most of the day to be able to uh-huh. be motivated to do the little things. So that's oh, sure. hard. I just kind of want to chill and procrastinate a lot of stuff, but I feel better. I think I went through an anxiety. I was really, really panicked mm-hmm. for quarantine, which you should be, but it was like taking over my life. Like I was so panicked all the time about anybody leaving, coming in or yeah. in apartment building. I was just a mess. And yeah. I was also trapped inside, which I didn't think would bother me too much because uh-huh. I'm pretty okay with being by myself, but it's not having the option to do anything yeah. without wearing on me. So since then, you know, I still choose not to go out and do stuff most of the time, but I feel like I'm, I'm able to have more of a balance now with everything I'm doing during the day so that I don't yeah. feel so... Like, oh, it's just another day. It passed me by. Here's another day. So it's been good. I would have loved. It kind of sucks because quarantine feels like such a good time to take vacations you want to take. Oh, yeah. You can't. So I wish I had been able to do that. But yeah, I know. Enjoy it while I can because once it's over, I'll probably miss being at home. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a scary time. We're going to. Yeah. See what what happens here, but there has still been things happening. I mean, we had that week um, when George Floyd was murdered, but yeah, of course. Then there's been you know a lot of shootings and uh, robberies and of homes, things happening, not necessarily related to that, but it's just been a interesting time. We will see. I don't. I think people are. You know, my mom's a teacher and a lot of teachers that just do not feel comfortable going back right now. I won't blame her. Is Minneapolis planning on going back to school in the fall? I don't think they have decided yet. I don't want to say whether or not because I don't know for sure. Yeah. I know that's what a lot of places are aiming for. They want it to reopen, but I'm sure they're not going to leave the choice up to the teachers whether. Oh, yeah. But. It does sound like if they do reopen, it's going to be half days, kind of, like half the uh-huh. children come, and then the other half come the okay. rest of the day to try and split it up. They're going to be required to wear masks. All the kids are. I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> I can't really imagine a bunch of kids wearing a mask or really young toddlers. I know, seriously. Just really waiting and seeing what happens. I know mm-hmm. oh, Governor Waltz did just extend the emergency peacetime order. What's that? It's just where they don't open everything yet or you're allowed. Oh, to, sure. You know, just so people have more time not to go back to work right away. Certain places can't just open fully like they. Yeah. Obviously, restaurants are open and stuff like that, but um, just gives more time. So that pools aren't going to be open yeah sports games i don't know exactly all the details of it but he extended that everything else (laughs) is gonna end starting august 1st that's so crazy i'm doing like much worse with quarantine slash like covid everything now than i was two months ago it was hard for everyone, of course. It was hard for me at the beginning, the boredom and like what, you know, whatever. I think mentally, you know, we all remember that. But like in general, I don't know, I really kind of did okay at first. I like 
was really, I actually love being home all the time. I love, I do like much better at doing stuff when I don't have a job. Maybe it's because I just didn't really like going to my office. My job was fine, but didn't challenge me mentally. And I didn't, I was tired of working in an office, I think. So that was really draining for me. So like not having to do that was incredible. I don't like I was like, of course, very worried about COVID as everyone I think was and should have been. But I was really able to keep myself from like being consumed by it for at the beginning and for a long time. But lately, I've really like, I don't just with how things are going now with like, I just feel like things are going so poorly now. I just can't like, I really can't stop worrying about it all the time. I'm just like, very consumed with checking the numbers constantly of daily new cases and like total like total number of cases and very very consumed with it I was gonna go camping but I just really didn't feel comfortable I didn't know if the campground it's like a Tuesday so I was like oh it'll probably be not busy but it's an outdoor area and it's like Oregon in July it's like things like are normally very busy and I didn't know you know, there's like a river, I think. And I was like, I just really have no idea how busy that's going to be. So I just decided not to. Even though like cases in Oregon are still like very low, they are rising also. But yeah, I don't know. I'm like very worried about how people in nursing homes are doing, how kids are going to like fare from it and what's going to happen to prisoners and like things like that. And I, I guess I've just gotten to a place where I'm like, society is fracturing and like we are not faring well. No, we're really not. But I don't balance, you know, between for me, I had to be like, okay, I got to do what I'm comfortable with. And absolutely cautious, but also I had to let go of my anxiety a little Mm -hmm. bit because it was just taking over. Mm -hmm. But it is concerning because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, everything's opening. COVID disappeared. And they're like, just because things are open does not mean you're safe. Just because you have money or you're this or that does not mean that you're untouchable. And yeah. it makes it more worrisome for people who actually care because you're like, oh, I'll be careful, but maybe I'll go to this outdoor event once and stay away from people, you know. But then when mm-hmm. you see all these other people not caring or not going about that the same way. It feels like it's almost impossible to do one thing safely. I know. And it's interesting too. I don't like, I was feeling like, Oh, like, well, like three weeks ago, I was sort of feeling like, Oh, things are kind of going okay. And I did, I did do a couple of things and I didn't wear a mask and I felt like fine about it. And like, they didn't really like obsess too much over it, but now I'm like, sort of retroactively like very concerned about it (laughs) and just like sort of feel guilty also like I feel like you know the reason that this is still going on is because people didn't socially distance right the first time I think if you're outside and you're very far away from somebody it's I don't want to say don't wear a mask but I think it's more okay but if it's a crowded crowded place I would maybe wear them when you're closer to a bunch of people and just be careful what you touch Mm -hmm. inside I I always wear a mask when I'm in it's hard too because we visited family on our trip a couple weeks ago and it is hard because if everybody else is hanging out and not wearing yeah like you can wear one but it feels like okay that's for them not for you (laughs) yeah you know and it just it's frustrating because you don't want to be rude 
and you don't yeah. want to intrude on other people's houses and be like, hey, you're not following this. Um, mm-hmm. But also it's kind of like I wish that I could, you know, hang out with more people and trust like, hey, they're actually following the rules. They're not going and hanging out with a bunch of people and not wearing a mask or socially distancing. But it kind of feels like everybody's just been like, oh, well, you know, if it's this or that, if it's family, if it's mm-hmm. everything's opening, it's okay. Yeah. You can go to the pool. You can do this. And, like, I try not to get upset. That's their choice completely. But it is frustrating because it feels like other people are doing more work. Than everybody just followed it a little better. Then it could be more simple and everybody could have a decent time without. Yeah, work. definitely. I'm just, it's pretty frustrating. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't know. It's just I wish I could feel more comfortable and know that everybody else that I'm having interactions with is at least trying to um, be safe outside of our interaction. Mm -hmm. Because like a lot of people said, family, I know that's hard for people. Yeah, totally. But Mm -hmm. for me, I don't know if I'm different than other people, but I can't like I don't need to be around friends. I don't need mm-hmm. to constantly see my friends, I guess. I'm pretty I'm fine. I'm pretty easy. fine with not seeing friends also. So for me, yeah, I'm mentally, like, it's really not that hard for me. <laughs> I mean, I see my friends that live around here will hang out outside, but like, I don't need to like go places and like not wear a mask. Like we're always safe about it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't really, I didn't like go to bars with my friends before anyway, so that's really not, like, I really don't have any, like, grief about missing that either. Yeah. And it's just, you know, there's things you can give up. I understand seeing your family, you know, after this long. But personally, even with family, like, when I see my dad, like, we're super close. We've both been very careful. When I see my parents, I don't, well, at least with my dad, we always wear a mask. Even in the mm-hmm. house, like, even outside, like, we always do. We don't hug or anything like that mm-hmm. is and then with my mom I've been in her house a couple times um social distancing without a mask helping her clean stuff up but before that I didn't see her for like at all yeah four months maybe yeah I mean it is possible to be a little bit safer but control ourselves and just try and have some balance you know be as safe as we can have your boundaries. You know, we had a barbecue the other day for some people that are leaving and they just said, Hey, please respect our boundaries. We're so happy you guys are throwing us a barbecue, but also, um, we would appreciate if everybody wears a mask and mm-hmm. social distance. So we all that went there, obviously it was outside and we all just wore our mask. I really can't imagine going to a restaurant and eating inside of it right now. I couldn't. I've gone to maybe two places outside where I order the food outside and they just bring it and there's like no people around. Pretty empty. I don't really go on like the weekend, but I couldn't. Oh, no. I couldn't go inside somewhere. I don't going to the mall and like we're going hanging out with a bunch of friends in a house. Like, I don't know. For me, that's just Mm -hmm. just gotta be careful and but I understand your anxiety because I've yeah. gone through that. And... Yeah. I think one thing that I'm going to do 
But, you know, part of it, too, is, like, just really worrying about vulnerable people being alone so much. So I've started, I wrote a letter to my grandma's uh, family member who lives in an assisted living center. Um, So I'm trying to do stuff like that. So I think I'm going to start maybe making cards and mailing it to people in nursing homes. So sweet. I know some people have done that. Mm -hmm. I also want to start writing to people in prison. That's going to be, that's my like action items that I'm working on this week. Yeah, because they need people to talk to and a lot of them Mm -hmm. don't or anything. You know, you can learn about their story and it's just about getting out of that stereotypical mindset too of Mm -hmm. if you don't have it, you know, society has it of what people in prison looked like or what they did or, you know. Yeah, exactly. I've been learning too um, recently that um, when prisoners get a lot of mail or packages that like shows the prison people that they like are a part of society because like incarceration really tries to separate criminals from like the rest of society. And so like when prisoners get letters and packages and like things like that shows to the prison people that you know that they are still a part of it and like that there's people out there that care about them and stuff like that they might get better treatment by the probation officers or by the the prison people getting more lenient probation sentences or getting out for good behavior and things like that yeah I think that's awesome I might get into that too I'm not fully sure yet how I'm gonna go about it that you can look up and see yeah and you can actually just like pick whoever very interesting. I'll have to do some more research on that. Yeah, me too. Okay. Um, bye. All right. Bye.